Amen. What's up, guys? How we doing? You made it through the snow. It's not that bad out, is it? I haven't, like, been outside at all since, like, 1130 this morning. So tell me, did you guys do donuts on the way here or what? Anyone? That's what I would have been doing in college. Would have been, I would have been here, but I would have been doing donuts on the way here. Um, we're going to jump right in uh, to the book of Ruth. We're in chapter 2 tonight. Um, so if you weren't here last week or kind of forgot already because you just had such a wild time at the conference, let me refresh us real fast what's going on in the book of Ruth. It's the eighth book in your Bible. So if you're turning there, it's the eighth book. If you've, if you've gotten to First or Second Samuel, you've gone too far. This is a real story. You guys, it's been a story that's in our Bible for God's people to know God. And it's written about 3,000 years ago, and it was written in a time, honestly, like today, with social and political unrest. In chapter 1, we're introduced to this dude named Elimelech. Someone say Elimelech. Cool, cool. Um, And not just Elimelech, but we're introduced to Naomi and their two sons, and they, they leave their home in Bethlehem because of a famine. They peace out. They go to Moab, and then Pretty quickly, we learn that Elimelech dies, and their sons marry two Moabite women, and then those two sons of theirs die as well. So it's just Naomi left with her daughter-in-law, Ruth, and her other daughter-in-law, Orpah. And it's these ladies deciding they're going to go back to Jerusalem after all of these grieving, painful losses. And... Actually, Orpah turns back. Like, she realizes, and, Na- and Naomi kind of convinces her, you should turn back. But Ruth decides she's going to, to actually do something that's going to be fairly difficult. She's going to go to a place that she's, she's not from. She's going to go to a place she has no clue what it's like to take care of Naomi, who's way older and now bitter and angry with God. And Ruth actually, she comes to, to put her faith in God. She, she actually tells Naomi, I want to follow your God. I want, I want to follow him. I want to make him my God. She's chosen to go this path that's going to be hard. She's going back with Naomi. And if you recall, in chapter 1, Naomi actually says she went away full but came back empty. Like that's what's going on in her life. That's how she feels God's dealing with her. So this is where we pick up tonight. Like, that's the story. Naomi means pleasant one, and she doesn't want to be called that anymore. She wants to be called Mara, which just means bitter. She's not a happy camper, you guys. I don't know where you're at if some of you are not a happy camper tonight in life. But, like, there are real stories like this in the Bible. And we get to see what God is telling us and teaching us through these stories. So go ahead and open to Ruth if you haven't yet. Ruth chapter 2, and we'll get going. I think all of those kind of things that we learned in chapter 1 cause us to still kind of ask that question of like, where is God in hard times? Like, does he really care? Is he really going to show up and, and care for these women? Like, if I, if I asked you, does God redeem hopeless situations what would you say? I'm guessing your answer might be kind of like, 
Yeah, he redeems some hopeless situations. He, he redeems some people's hopeless situations, but he's maybe not going to redeem mine. Like, he, he's not going to actually fix this thing in my life. He's not going to redeem this thing in my life. It's just such a small thing. Like, it's really not that big of a deal for God. I don't need God for all the things in my life. I just need him for some things. We're going to see tonight this redeeming God intervening. So let's read the first couple of verses. It says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. So this is kind of actually giving us a, a like, pull back the curtain, see where this chapter is going to go. We're going to meet this dude named Boaz. And he's related to Elimelech. Keep reading with me. Verse 2, it says, And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. Remember, they just got back into Bethlehem at the time of barley harvest. So it's a good time to show up. They've been in famine for 10 years, and here they are able to go and glean. Ruth's able to go and glean, which is like her getting to go to these fields and actually just kind of picking the slim pickings, getting what's, what's left behind and also picking from kind of the margins of the field that the law required people who own fields like this to leave for the poor and marginalized. That's gleaning. So she set out and went and gleaned, verse 3, gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, these are his workers, he said, the Lord be with you. Anyone ever had like their employer just show up and say, the Lord be with you? Probably not. The Lord be with you, he says. And then they answered him, the Lord bless you. So they're just like having this little praise party right there at work. And so Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, who is this young woman? Verse 6, and the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. So Ruth's been grinding. Like, Ruth's been getting after it. She's been gleaning. But look at what this worker tells Boaz about her. He wants to make it super clear that she's actually from, like, the wrong people, that she's a foreigner. Like, multiple times he drops, she's this Moabite woman from Moab. He's like, no way, she's from Moab? Okay. Let's see how, how Boaz actually responds to this foreigner gleaning in his field. Then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young, young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the, what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that, did not know, that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you've done. 
and a full reward will be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servants, though I am not one of your servants. You guys, this is, this is sweet. This is Boaz extending a really gracious welcome to a foreigner. And Ruth knows she does not deserve this great of treatment. Like she's getting on her knees, expressing gratitude to this man who has somehow already heard all that she's done. And who knows, they've probably only been there a couple days. Verse 14, it says, In that mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she's not just gleaning. She's not just getting the things from his field and going back. He actually wants to bless her even more. Come here and eat some bread, he says, and dip your morsel in wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and he had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. He's telling, he's telling guys, don't, don't give her any trouble. Like, actually let her get even more, and let's let her job out there getting some grain be even easier than it would be for most people. Do not reproach her. And also, verse 16, also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. Then verse 17, so she gleaned in the field until evening. And then she beat out what she had gleaned and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. So she just comes home with this huge haul. Like, I don't actually think we're at all kind of accustomed to what this would have looked like and how long of a day's work this would have been. Like, I think we just cruise into a drive-thru and use some plastic card to get some food. Like, this, is, this girl's working hard. And she's coming back. Again, remember, to Naomi, now like full of all of these blessings that she's just received this day. Full, completely full of food for probably multiple weeks. And verse 19, and her mother-in-law said to her, so Naomi said, where did, you where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked. And said, the man's name is Boaz, with whom I work today. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living and the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours. He's one of our redeemers. And Ruth, the Moabite, said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of barley harvest and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. So she just got the hookup. Like, she met this dude who's going to take care of them, and she's invited back to glean there all the time and have it pretty good. But there's actually something that 
is even more good news that Naomi's just heard through Ruth that has her completely excited. I don't know if you caught it. It's, it's her saying that Boaz is one of their redeemers. Naomi hasn't probably thought about this the whole way back as she's coming depressed and angry and bitter, that there are actually people who are of the same clan of her late husband. That there are people that actually want to look out for them and care for them. But God had a plan. Like remember, look back at what it says in verse 3. At the start of her day, she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. This is the author kind of saying like, and as chance would have it, or by luck. He doesn't believe in lat. He doesn't believe in luck or anything like that. He's kind of doing this thing to make us go, is this an accident, or is God doing something? Like, did, did God just orchestrate all this? Because he did. God orchestrates all of these events knowing how he's going to care for these women. Like, they have these distant relatives that actually want to provide for them. Boaz is one of them, probably. And he shows that to be the case really quickly. But he, he's a potential kinsman redeemer, which you, you may have heard of, but this is, this is actually something that, again, is extremely, extremely good news because if you were widowed and you hadn't had children or, or you maybe had young children, the law, God's law for God's people, actually called for the, the woman's husband's brother to marry this widow and, and actually like continue his lineage. So this is what is potentially going to happen for Ruth. Boaz is one of them. Naomi seems to know there might be some other ones. She, she says he's one of them. But she's just realized Ruth's come across this man. And he's, he's really acting like he wants to help. He wants to, to care for these women who are in hardship. And it's God who caused their paths to cross. Like, this wasn't an accident. The sovereign God worked these little events out, these little, small, minute things in Ruth's life, going out to glean in a field. And he was the one who's orchestrating it. And everything that Boaz does is driven by faith in this God. Like it, it actually shows how much he thinks of God that he treats a foreigner with this much kindness. God wants his people to take refuge in him and extend his kindness to other people. Like, literally, it's like Ruth has just come into this grocery store to make, to make this kind of a modern-day thing. She's come into this grocery store and maybe she had some food stamps and whatever, but she met the owner who's literally like, I'm going to, to actually just make sure you get everything you need and then some. And you can come back anytime and I will take care of you. And I'm going to tell everyone to not give you a hard time. And it's Boaz's faith in God that leads him to do something that's this great. Like it's his, it's, 
even something this significant of like blessing someone in a material way is a spiritual matter. Doing things like this shows the world that material things aren't our greatest possession. And so he extends kindness to a foreigner. But it's God ultimately who's working all these things out in the background that you wouldn't just think of it if you just brushed through this chapter. Like he is the one, Psalm 34, 18 says, who is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. That's what he's doing in this chapter. He is orchestrating all of these little events for these two women who are in need. Or you could say God redeems the hopeless. Simply put, God redeems the hopeless. Like that's what he's about. That's what he's doing even in this chapter. He's doing what we might just think is ordinary. We wouldn't look and see how God's working. We might miss how God's working. And Ruth and Naomi have enough to eat and be satisfied. They've probably been hungry on their journey back, and here they are coming to this man who could have plenty of excuses to just let her glean a little bit and not be that happy about it because they're coming out of a 10-year famine, and he is more than ready to bless and bless and bless. Like they eat and they're satisfied because of Boaz's care for them. But you guys, God came for us in Jesus Christ so that we could be eternally satisfied in him. What I, what I actually want us to do is actually to, to look back through this chapter and see Jesus through Boaz and through Ruth. Like, think about this. Ruth leaves comfort and family. She leaves what she's known and where she is comfortable to go and take care of someone who is hard to take care of. Who, like, is not a happy camper. Remember, someone you would not want to hang out with, probably. And Jesus leaves heaven to come and live a life among us. Not having a place to lay his head, not having earthly comforts. And he gave himself as a ransom for us. He went all the way to the point of death on a cross. You like see that God shows his love for us in the small details and in this big, magnificent way on the cross. Like, maybe you need to ask yourself, first of all, like, in light of that, are there any excuses keeping you from obeying God? Because there's always some excuses, right? Like, none of them are legit. But you could be, you could be Boaz saying, we've been, we've been struggling for 10 years with this, with this famine. Like, I'm not going to be generous. I'm just going to see about maybe kind of fulfilling the law, but not going beyond what's written. Not showing God's heart, just trying to do the things that God says I should do or I should not do. Like, you can just play that card and play that card. But obeying God mattered to Boaz more than storing up a whole bunch of grain for him for the next famine he might be in. 
Like obeying God was way more important to him than being comfortable and set and living easy. There's a couple things specifically I want us to look at with Boaz. So if you're taking notes, write down. Boaz offers Ruth a new status. Boaz offers Ruth a new status. He treats Ruth with mercy. He ushers her right into this meal with his workers. And God, he, he gives us a new status. Like he gives people who don't deserve a new status a perfect status. He takes our old status of condemned because of our sin and gives us the righteousness of Christ. Or as Colossians 1 puts it, he has transferred us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. Like that's what God is about. Giving you a new status, a new identity. Boaz is doing this with someone who he didn't have to do this for. Second, Boaz offers Ruth friendship. He calls, he calls her in. He first calls her daughter. Yeah, he gives her permission to glean, but he sends her home on the first day with way more than anyone would have expected to get going out to glean. Like it would have been a generous offer enough to just let her do that once, but he says come back again and again. Don't go anywhere else. I want you to come here. He prays for her, treats her like one of his own. All of that because he's just found refuge himself in God. And Jesus befriends his enemies and like a true friend lays his life down for us. He calls us his friends. Like he wants to actually be your friend if you come to him on his terms. And we don't deserve to be friends with Jesus. Just like no one would have expected this woman from Moab to be friends on day one with a wealthy man named Boaz. Third, Boaz does everything out of love, not obligation. Does everything out of love, not obligation. And guys, Boaz means strong man. I forgot to point that out earlier. Like, this is a dude whose name is Strong Man, and he does everything out of love. Like, the law didn't say what a kinsman redeemer was obligated to do for foreigners. It didn't. Boaz did not have to do anything this extreme for Ruth. But Boaz's question again, it's not, what's the least I need to do to kind of just appear like I'm doing things for God? What's the least I need to do to obey the law? It's how can I make God's love known to this woman, this foreigner? Like he could have made excuses, but his life isn't about him, it's about God. And in a far greater way, you guys, God does everything out of love. He does. He does everything out of love. Think about it. He didn't have to send Jesus. We didn't earn this Savior coming down for us. We had nothing to offer him. And God, out of love, sent his son. 
sent his son so that we could have access to him, so that we could have friendship, so that we could be given a new status. That's the only way those things come, by faith in the work of Christ. He's offering to all of you those very things freely tonight. And Ruth, you guys, I don't want us to miss, there's another thing just that is worth coming back to with Ruth. She leaves this comfortable life, this comfortable life, and decides, I'm going to go to a place I've never been, going to a hard place. The moment she puts her faith in God, something is different. Like in, in the first chapter, we see Ruth coming to believe in God, and it's not an instant later that she's going to where God's calling her. Her life is about laying her life down. You guys, when, when we see Jesus laying his life down for us, undeserved, wicked sinners, we should be driven more deeply to obey, more deeply to, to leave a comfortable life and live for his namesake, for his gospel. Because when God becomes your refuge, and if you've come to Jesus, God is your refuge. Like He's literally taken on himself the wrath of God that you and I deserved. When God becomes your refuge, you extend his kindness. Like that's what he does through you now. If you've come to Jesus, he wants to show the world his kindness through you. That's what life is about. Living for God's glory, living to extend the kindness that God has shown to you. And you guys, the, the kindness of God is most explicitly and clearly put in the gospel. And that's the, that's the kindness that people most need to see and hear about. Like you actually need to share the gospel with people. They need to hear of the fact that God has already extended kindness to them in Jesus. And you guys, if you, if you stay close to Jesus, if you stay under the wings of God, in his refuge. Nothing, nothing can harm you. Like, yeah, there might be physical things that can make you sick, make you die. But what? You get God. Like, death is this means to just go be with God. There might be danger, there might be things in this world that People would say you shouldn't go do for Jesus. But there are people created in the image of God that need to hear of the kindness extended towards them in Jesus. So nothing can actually remove you from the, the refuge himself, God. Like he has the stronger grip on you. He made it possible for you to take refuge in him. So I'm telling you, go to the hard places. Go to the, the hard people, the people you know are going to give you, actually give you a hard time when you share your faith with them. The people who are like hostile to Jesus, you're probably called to go to them. Who else is going to do it? 
Like, go to the person you're actually scared to talk to about spiritual things and just start. Ask them, ask them where they think they're going to go when they die. That's a hard question. That's a scary question. Maybe you start with something different. But have spiritual conversations with those people that you're literally, I'm scared of because God is with you and he's your refuge. I think in this chapter we see a beautiful, sovereign God working to bring two people together and provide for two women that are hopeless because somebody, Boaz, was driven to be an instrument of God's kindness. And so if you're taking notes or you got your phone, I want, I want you to do a couple things. Before we close, I want you to write down somebody's name, someone that actually has been an instrument of God's kindness to you, and thank God for them over this next week. Maybe you need to go tell them. Maybe you've never told them before that you're thankful for how God used them in your life. Like, I think we can really easily brush past even simple things that God has used people in our life to extend his kindness. Who is somebody? Write their name down. And second, write down someone's name, someone that that God's putting on your heart. Maybe it's someone's name isn't coming to your mind yet, but tonight, before you go to bed, someone's name hopefully comes across your mind that you need to actually bring the gospel to and extend God's kindness. Like, Actually ask yourself, how can I move towards them and show them God's love and speak of God's love towards them? You guys, again, this is a story of God showing us how much he loves us and wants to show us his kindness day after day. Like there's this abundance of, of grain that that Ruth comes back with and there's an abundance of grace in God for you. Like you can't exhaust it. He's telling you tonight to come back to me, find refuge in me. There is enough grace for you. And you're going to need to come back tomorrow. But I want you to come back. Like your, your sin, yeah, it's ugly, but I died for it. On the cross, that penalty is taken care of. Come back to me. Stay with me. My blood has accomplished your salvation. That is what God is telling you tonight. Come to him and be under his wings. Take refuge in him, the redeeming God, the God who is redeeming you. If you belong to Jesus, he is continually redeeming you. You guys, we're going to sing this this song. We're going to respond in in worship to this song that's about this redeeming God, praising him for just the amazing redeemer that he is. 
It's actually written from kind of just the book of Ruth and seeing God working through all of these ways in the book of Ruth. You've never sung it before here at Salt Company, so if it's new and you just want to let the band sing it over you as you pray and think about these people, that's totally okay. And when you're ready, just stand up and and let them teach you the song. Sound good? Let's pray. God, you are a great, great God. Thank you for sending your son to, to redeem us. That our old status has been done away with. That you've called us to yourself and given us the best status we could ever have. Thank you that you are big and sovereign and in all of the the little things in our life working everything together for our good. I pray that you would help us to to trust in you, help us to find refuge in you, and even on, on the days when we feel like we don't deserve to come to you, God, that we would remember that you're a God, merciful and gracious, that you're slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, that you want us to come to you. You want your grace to be something we experience every day. You want your grace to motivate us to walk with you in obedience. God, help us to take the gospel to people. People who are hurting, people who feel like they are too far from you. But God, thank you that no one is too far from you, that you came. You came when all of us were far off. And you brought us near. Pray this in your name. Amen.